welcome to Mad Tales. Welcome back to Mad Tales. I'm James Nolan. It is July 2022 as I record this in my not-quite-so-little studio in Fredericksburg, Virginia. July is hot, and I'm working on a lot. The initial draft of Planet Kill, Death Kill is done. It's got a lot going on in there that I really like. A little time, space, universe jumping, a little caustic phasing, a couple of zombies, a funny best friend character. Initially, I'd set out to create something that was a little more indie movie budget friendly, something that might be able to be produced for, oh, say, a million dollars. But I kind of let it get away from me because sometimes things need to happen when they need to happen. Given what I wrote so far, it's probably more in the 10 to $20 million range if I was ever able to get any interest in producing this thing. It's not perfect, not yet, but the rough outline is done and it's time to move on to the next project, which is the tentatively titled Fay. So for that script, rough outline, rough draft plotting extravaganza, I'm going to do my best to stick to the indie budget model. I'm not going to say that it's going to end up that way because, like I just said, sometimes things just need to happen the way I want them to happen and damn the budget. But the goal is to keep the story in one or two places, scale down the amount of characters and keep the special effects to a minimum. I'm thinking that it would be something that could cost around the same amount of money as The Invitation, which when I looked it up, that cost a million dollars to make or maybe even Ready or Not, although that costs six million dollars to make. I was going to say The Hunt, but that costs 14 million dollars to make, which good Lord. Coming soon, July 23rd, I got a couple of things going on on the same day. First of all, the music showcase at 1111 is going down. And also, on that same day, if you live in Richmond, Virginia, I will be at the RVA pop-up at the Diamond from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday, July 23rd. This is my first time doing this event, but it looks really cool. They advertise themselves as a vendor market with local artisans, artists, creators, local businesses, and more. They also have food trucks, which, yes, excellent, and music. Before we get started, don't forget that Mungwort is out right now in a variety of formats, including ebook, paperback, hardcover, and of course, audiobook. Can't wait until next week to get to the next chapter? Don't want to wait until September to get to the end? Order Mungwort today. And I will put the link for Mungwort as well as the shows and all the other stuff in my show notes. And now, on to the next chapter of Mungwort. Amana woke the next morning confused and alarmed. She sat straight up in bed. No, a cot. She sat straight up in a cot and tried to get her bearings. A tent. Not a room, but a tent. She slept in a tent. A vent in the ceiling blew cool air. A yellow ribbon waved from one of the slats. The sound of cicadas swelled outside. Oh, yeah, the farm. She was on a farm in Virginia. She rubbed her eyes. After a full year of traveling, she thought she'd be used to waking up in yet another unfamiliar place, but apparently not. She'd slept in some pretty horrible situations, too. A roadside ditch, the back of a brothel, a coyote's trailer. In comparison, this was paradise. Papa, she called. Out here, Amana. 
She crept over to the flap and peeked outside. Birds chirped in the trees. The morning sun cast everything in its bright summer light, and a warm breeze blew in from the east, bringing with it the smell of the forest. Her father, Diego, stooped over a basket filled with freshly washed clothes, picked up a shirt, and hung it over a line stretching between their tent and the one next door. Amana slipped out, letting the flap close behind her. Good morning, Papa. Ah, look who finally decided to wake up. Where is everybody? Diego nodded at a pile of beer cans littering the fire ring of the yurt next to theirs. Boss gave them a party in the morning off. Amana's eyes belied her understanding. I know, Diego said. Not the usual, is it? When do we head out? Ten. Breakfast is already ready. Just over there under the oak tree. Amana's stomach grumbled, but she didn't move. Not yet. I don't understand why I can't go with you. Amana, we already talked about this. The man says he wants you in the hoop house. Well, who's going to interpret for you? I'm not an idiot, sweetie. I speak English good. No, Papa. Not good. Well. I speak English well. Diego flapped out a shirt, laughing, and hung it on the line. Maybe I should watch more movies. Maybe I'll take you to one after we get paid here. Don't change the subject, Papa. I'm not. Don't you want to go to the movies? Captain America? Mr. Iron? Amana laughed. Iron Man, Papa. Tomato potato. Diego smiled and pointed at himself. See? Good English. Amana rolled her eyes. She scanned the farm. The main house to the left, field straight ahead. A couple of workers struggled out of their yurts, laughing and bantering. Well, what time will you be back? Who knows? In time for dinner, maybe? Diego focused on his daughter. Nervous Amana? No. Yes. How many places like this have you worked on? Don't you think? That's the point. It's a new bed every couple of months, every couple of weeks sometimes. Everything's always new. Diego sighed. We'll be done soon. When? Soon, I said. You always say soon. How soon is soon? Why do we have to stop here? I thought you said your friend had a job for you. Yes, in Pennsylvania, remember? It's 200 miles away, sweetheart. This is the last stop, I promise. Amana towed the dirt with her shoe. Diego flapped out another shirt. Amana, up there it'll be better, I know. I still don't see why we couldn't just go to the Gulf. Uncle Miguel, Uncle Miguel is part of the problem. You know that. He knows people, you said. He could have made it right. We could have stayed. That's enough, Amana. But I said enough. Diego hung a pair of socks and tried not to feel guilty. This place isn't so bad, you know, compared to some of the others. Like that whorehouse. That was a low blow. I know. Sorry. Amana, I know you're feeling anxious, but I'll just be right out there in the field. If you need me, just come and get me. What do you think they'll have me doing in the hoop house? Probably growing marijuana. Diego waggled his eyebrows. And finally, begrudgingly, Amana laughed. Every job Cece ever worked had its own peculiar smell. The fire grease and cumin of that vegetarian restaurant in Portland. The sour milk and cleaning agents of the daycare in Kansas City. And now the overwhelming fecundity of the hoop house on Lilith's farm. It was like she'd been immersed in dry fertilizer. But even the smell couldn't compete with the heat and humidity. Outside was bad enough, but in the hoop house, the glass doubled it, tripled it, made it unbearable. The fans helped, but after a while, all they did was blow hot air around. Then there was her uniform, long sleeves and jeans, goggles and gloves, and every now and then, a filter mask. Not wearing the proper gear wasn't an option. That much she'd learned already. She stood up from trimming a vine and raised her arms over her head to stretch. Lean to the left, lean to the right. Her back popped, 
then her shoulders and neck. She let her fingers trail over the bite mark that thing had given her the night before. Even after another dip in the magic pond, the wound was still tender and bruised. The punctures from those tentacles made her scalp itch, but only one showed on her face. For that, Cece was grateful. Stupid tentacle-head monster. Stupid vines. She looked over at Laszlo's office door, then down at the spaces between the boards at her feet. No blinking lights today. No weird green glow. The front door buzzed, and Laszlo himself bumbled through the plastic strips and into the nursery. Good morning to you, Madam Cece. Hey, Laszlo. Did you have a pleasant time at the Simcha? Blow off the steams? It was fantastic, Laszlo. Thank you. So good, so good. The mistress knows what to do, she does. You should be happy for her kindness. Cece bit her tongue. Laszlo scanned the nursery floor. Everything is so clean. I see you've trimmed the tarantulas, yes? Thanks. I'm about to get around to the Hanta and Rotback. Oh, no, no, not today. Today we have product pickup. He pointed at the warehouse doors. When the driver man comes, please to help him with the carrying and the stacking and the securing of the plants. Which ones? Cece asked. Mr. Sorkin will tell you. He drives the biggest rigs. And when is this happening? Oh, an hour or so, before lunch. Laszlo scuttled away, heading toward his office. Cece stiffened. She watched him open the door and slip inside, waiting for a yell or a shout or something to indicate he knew someone had broken in. The door closed with a click. There was a moment's silence, and Laszlo put one of his records on the turntable. The drop of the needle, the hiss and pop of the vinyl, guitar, flute, accordion. That was bad enough as it was, at least until the singer chimed in. Fucking Russian folk music, Cece said. She was hunched over a table in the back, repotting a batch of mums when she heard the door buzz again. The girl she'd seen the day before, the one she was so concerned about, pushed through the plastic curtains. She was shy and uncertain, her eyes wide and unblinking as she took in all the sights and smells. Cece crouched down to watch as the girl took a few tentative steps down the main aisle. She was smart enough not to touch or smell anything, kept her hands in the pockets of her jeans, in fact. Sweat formed on her brow almost immediately, and she wiped it away with the cuff of her long-sleeved work shirt. Hello, she called. Cece nodded to herself, decided, stood up. Back here. The girl looked around, frowning, unable to find the source of the voice. Cece waved. Here, back left. Oh, hi, I, I didn't see you. It's all right. Come on back. I'm Cece. Amana. Nice to meet you, Amana. Amana strolled down the main aisle and hung left toward Cece. This place is amazing. Sure is. Until it isn't anymore. Let me show you around. Cece led her up the nearest row, pointing out the plants. Over here we have mums, mums, and more mums. Amana seemed to take everything in at once, her eyes rolling left to right, up and down. I wouldn't do that if I were you, Cece said. Do what? Look around like that. Your eyes will keep focusing and unfocusing, and it's a surefire way to get a headache. Got it. Are you sure? Because you're still doing it. I'm fine. Cece shook her head. Suit yourself. She steered around to the next aisle. You've got to be really careful with the flowers on this one. Why? Because some of them are toxic? They don't look poisonous. I didn't say poisonous. I said toxic. What's the difference? Here, let me show. She turned around to see Amana standing on her tiptoes, trying to smell the white flowers on a vine swaying from a hanging pot. Don't! Amana backed off, her hands up, her eyes wide. I, I was just... Cece stomped over and yanked her back by the shoulder. Ow! Amana yelped. What the fuck are you doing? Smelling the flowers. I told you, that's not a flower, it's fucking rotback. Well, what's rotback? It's like poison ivy times ten. 
Don't touch it. Don't smell it. Don't go anywhere near it. In fact, don't do or touch anything unless I tell you to. Amana cocked her hip and crossed her arms. I've worked on farms before. Not like this one. Give me a break. Me and my dad, your dad shouldn't have brought you here. What's that supposed to mean? This place is dangerous. Oh, I bet. Should we have stayed on our side of the wall? Stunned, Cece blinked. That's not what I meant. Sure it isn't. Cece struggled for words. You know what? She went over to a hose hanging from a rack in the middle of the aisle, hefted it up over her shoulder, and brought it to the girl. You're on water duty, she said, and she dropped the hose and the planks between them. The morning whiled away. Amano watered the plants while Cece did the rest, all to the soundtrack of Laszlo's weird Russian folk music. She snipped thorns, pruned plants, replaced dry soil, up and down the rows, over and over. The monotony had a rhythm to it, and even though she was sweating and uncomfortable, and even though all she could think about was what happened to her the night before, the distraction of the work helped to get out of her head. Soon she lost herself in the toil, so much so that she didn't even think to check on Amana until she heard a pained yelp. Ah, shit. Amana, what happened? She stalked out of her row and saw the girl on the other side of the nursery, her face a mask of pure terror. Cece rushed over. I didn't touch anything, Amana said as Cece pulled up. I did exactly like you said. Cece grabbed the girl's wrist and turned it over. An ugly black puncture wound marred her forearm. Angry red lines had already formed in his periphery, racing, it seemed, toward the crook of her elbow. Amana's already wide eyes widened even more. What's happening? Calm down. Just tell me what happened. I, I don't know. I was just watering those things and something struck out like a... Cece plucked the girl's camisole strap. What the fuck is this? What? You had long sleeves on when you came in here. She looked around and spied Amana's shirt hanging from a peg on the backboard. Why did you take that off? It's like a million degrees in here. Oh my God, that hurts. I told you to keep your shirt on. Through gritted teeth, Amana said, You told me not to touch anything, not to keep my shirt on. A little common sense goes a long fucking way, Amana. Come on. Cece grabbed Amana by the back of the arm and steered her to the first aid box hanging on the wall. As expected, there was nothing inside except for a few rolls of gauze, a half-empty box of latex gloves, and a bottle of rubbing alcohol. Cece took a roll and doused it with the alcohol. This is going to hurt. Amana pulled her arm away. Wait, you want this to spread or what? No, but then give me your arm. Amana's eyes shook over Cece's shoulder just as a voice spoke up behind her. Ain't even lunch yet and you already got a man down. Cece closed her eyes. Fuck. Mueller. She turned around. Mueller was standing in the middle of the aisle, thumbs hooked in his pockets. She fixed him with a glare. Cut the shit, man. She got into the Hanta. Mueller sleezed down the row, his eyes pinned on Amana. He pinched the brim of his hat, gave her a nod. Why is every first aid box in this place empty? Cece demanded. That ain't Hanta, Mueller said. That's a gray boil burn. So? So alcohol ain't gonna do shit for that. Mueller addressed Amana. May I? Amana sent the glare at Cece and held her arm out to him. Painful, ain't it, honey? Cece stepped up to him. Mueller, just let me... I said I got it. They stared at each other, but it was Cece who blinked. All she needs is... I know what she needs. You go on back to whatever it was you was doing. I'll fixed up in no time. Ain't that right, darling? Yeah, Amana said. She cocked her head and looked Cece right in the eyes. I'm fine. Cece opened her mouth, closed it, held up her hands. Fine, she said and retreated a few rows away and snatched up a pH vial and pretended to work. Mueller pulled a hanky out of one pocket and a tube of something out of the other. Then he got down on one knee, spread the hanky over it, and lay Amana's wrist down. 
This ain't gonna hurt one bit, he said. What is it? It's kinda like... Numbing cream and disinfectant all in one. Gets rid of the oil. He squeezed a healthy dollop into the puncture wound on Amana's forearm. She gasped, then laughed. It's cold. Feels good, don't it? Mueller rubbed it in, working his way up from her wrist to her elbow. Looks like you got some on your shoulder. He pulled her camisole strap down and caressed her skin. How's that feel? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's spreading on your collarbone, too. Amana squirmed as he rubbed the cream into the skin on her chest. I think I'm okay now. She tried to pull away, but he tightened his grip. Hold on a minute. Just a little longer. Let me go. Mueller looked deep into her eyes, pulled her closer, murmured something low and easy. I, I don't know, Amana said. She cast a panicked look around the hoop house. When she tried to pull her arm away again, Mueller yanked her back. Just a little longer, I said. Cece was suddenly there. Let her go, Mueller, she said. Startled, Mueller turned, easing his grip just enough for Amana to pull away. He stood up and put his hands on his hips, a crooked grin spreading across his face. Hoo-wee! We got ourselves a wildcat! Cece squared up to him, and even though he stood a good three inches taller, she looked him right in the eye and poked her finger at his face. You don't put a finger on her again, you hear me? She didn't seem to mind. She's just a kid, you creep. Mueller leaned in. I'll put my fingers on anybody I damn well please. You put them on her, and I'll cut them off. Cece's hand trailed down to the knife on her hip. Oh, you're a tough one, huh? Yeah, I'm a tough one. You like to tussle? No, but my daddy taught me how to deal with guys like you. Did he now? Oh, yeah. All this posturing, that's all you have. I got a whole lot more than that, darling. Yeah, I'm sure you do. That's why you never leave this place, isn't it? Because off this farm, you've got nothing. Off this farm, if you tried this shit with somebody else, they'd shove your teeth down your throat, and you know it. Mueller's sleazy smile turned into a sneer. He leaned in a little more. Cece unbuckled her knife. That's right, Mueller muttered. Let's see what you got. They were standing there, toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose, when the warehouse door rolled up, sending a blinding wave of sunlight into the open space. Vic stood on the other side, a box in one hand, Sacha beside him, wagging her tail. Behind him, a pickup truck, the tailgate lowered. Sacha's tail froze the moment she saw Mueller. A low growl rumbled in her chest. Quiet, girl, Vic said. He sized up the situation. Mueller towering over Cece, a sneer on his face, Cece's hand on her knife. A girl he'd never seen before looking at both of them with wide, scared eyes. Everything okay in here? Just peachy, Vic. Mueller replied. Uh-huh. You want to take a step back then? I don't need your help, Cece said. She never took her eyes off of Mueller's. I didn't say you did. You heard the girl, Vic. Why don't you toddle off and pick up your flowers? Sacha's growl deepened. Laszlo's music cut off, the door to his office opened, and out stepped the little man himself, humming in content. Ah! Mr. Mueller! How fortuitous! He hurried forward and squeezed between the angry pair looking straight up at the still-seething Mueller. I'm so glad you're here. One of the beep-beep machines requires your mechanical prowess. Shall we? Mueller waited a long beat before looking down at the strange little man wedged between him and Cece. Sure, Doc, he said. Whatever you need. Hey, 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 Mungwort, the sequel to MPK is out right now in ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. 
I'm not going to read all of the places it's available online, but I'm sure wherever you are in the world as you listen to this, it is available. And if you still can't get it, go to silverhammer.studio and click on the contact me button and I'll see if I can get it out to you directly. Most likely I can. Can't wait to hear it? Don't want to go chapter by chapter? Pick up Mungwort today. And now, back to Mad Tales. I swear to God, Cece said, pointing her fork at Ben's face. If Laszlo hadn't shown up, I would have killed the creepy shit. Ben lowered her fork with two fingers. Mueller is gross, but holding on to a little girl's wrist isn't a murderable offense. He didn't just... If you'd seen it, you would have had the same reaction. It doesn't sound all that terrible, Cece. Are you sure he was... Yeah, I was there. I saw it. Because, I mean, you're right. Mueller's a creep, but he's not a freaking pedophile. Cece pressed her lips together, a slow boil working up inside of her. I, I mean, I can see him being gross with you or Iko, Ben said. Maybe even Harlow, although I don't really see anybody being brave enough to try anything like that with Harlow. Who knows, maybe he's gay. It wouldn't be so unusual for a guy like that to be repressing something. But little girls? I just don't see it. Oh, really? Like grown men hitting on little girls has never happened before. That's not what I said. Do you know what grade I was in when an old guy first hit on me? Cece, sixth grade. Ben remained wisely silent. I was 11 years old, Ben. My dad liked to collect vinyl albums, and he took me to a used record store in Culpeper. I used to like it. He'd let me wander around and look at all the album covers while he did a deep dive in the rarities bin. Cece, you don't have to do this. Shut up. I'm telling you. There was a case up front behind the counter where they kept the really expensive stuff. First issues, signed copies. There was an album in it with a girl holding an airplane. She was topless. I was looking at it, trying to figure out what I was looking at, when the guy who worked there came up behind me. You like that one? He asked. I almost jumped out of my skin. He was right behind me. I think I stammered something about the plane, but the guy wasn't interested in the conversation. He cut me off in the middle of it. She's about your age in that picture, he said. Then he went behind me to get back around the counter, and when he did, he grazed my ass with his finger. Didn't grab it, grazed it. Oh, gross. That's what I'm talking about, Ben. It's not that Mueller wouldn't do something like that, or I think you're blowing it out of proportion. He did it, and I'm not exaggerating. This shit happens to girls all the time. She stabbed her fork into the chicken breast on her plate. All the time. The field kitchen buzzed with the easy banter of the workers. Laughter decorated the air. It was a rare, cool evening. A gentle breeze blew, shaking the leaves of the oak tree. Blind Faith, Ben said. What? The album you were talking about. It was a Blind Faith album. Cece stared at him. M my dad was in the vinyl, too. Awesome, Ben. Good for him. Cece ducked her head and looked over her shoulder. Iko was sitting at a table close to the buffet line, staring at the untouched food on her plate. Her hair hung lank and unwashed, and she had dark circles under her eyes. She looked up at Cece. Her face was blank. Makeup ran down her cheeks. Ah, oh, shit, Ben said. Speak of the devil. Cece turned the other way. Mueller was strolling through the field kitchen, a jaunty pep to his walk, a toothpick resting in one corner of his mouth. He appeared to be heading for Diego and Amana's table. Cece half stood, fork and fist, but Ben stopped her with a hand on her forearm. Just wait. Mueller changed course and went over to Iko. He put a foot up on the bench, rested his elbow on his knee, and leaned in to talk. Iko listened, but wouldn't, or couldn't, meet his eyes. Cece grabbed her plate. 
I'm getting seconds. Want anything? Beans, Ben said. And, uh, yeah, beans. At the buffet, Cece moved slowly down the line, pretending to survey the food under the sneeze guard, head cocked as she strained to hear what Mueller was saying. He spoke low and steady, the bass tone of his voice making it difficult to make anything out. Then Iko snapped, I don't care, I want to see him. Lower your voice, little girl. Don't talk to me like that. Cece tried to make eye contact with Iko, but the girl wouldn't look in her direction. She was two seconds from stomping over when someone tapped her on the shoulder. Excuse me. Diego, balancing two plates in his right hand, was standing behind her. He nodded at the fruit bin. Please? Cece stepped aside. Oh, sorry. Gracias. Diego tongued some strawberries and apple slices onto the plates. Good food, yes? Fresh? The best. You work with Amana in the, uh... He jerked his head in the direction of the hoop house. Yeah, Cece said, half listening. Mueller murmured to Iko, who stared at her hands. But you said he was going to be okay, she said. I don't understand why I can't see him. You can. When? When he's out of trouble. Iko glanced in Cece's direction, saw her staring, shook her off. Diego tapped Cece on her shoulder again, and Cece spun around with an irritated, What? Lo siento, Diego said. Amana, you work with her? What about it? Back to Mueller and Iko. Mueller stood up and took his foot off the bench. If you think it's more important to bring your boyfriend a teddy bear and a bouquet of flowers than carry your load here, far be it for me to- I do. Mueller nodded, switched the toothpick from one side of his mouth to the other. Okay, then. Come on. Wait, really? Do it or don't, little girl, Mueller said as he walked away. Either way, I still get paid. Iko swung her legs off the bench and headed after him, staying a few paces behind. Cece watched them go, frowning. She give you any problem? Diego again. She looked at him as if she finally realized who he was. Who, Amana? No, no problems. She work good for you? Yeah, she's a good kid, good worker. Cece swung around in time to see Mueller hop into the bed of Warner's truck. Iko stared straight ahead from the passenger seat, her jaw set. Warner put the truck in gear and puttered out of the driveway. Amana came up behind her father and nudged him. I told you I'd get it for you, Diego said. You're not, though. You're talking to the white girl. Amana took her plate and forked up a sausage link, casting furtive glances at Cece. What were you two talking about? She is a woman of few words. She didn't say anything about work today? Diego stopped to look at his daughter. What would she have to tell me, Hija? Nothing. She's just not very nice is all. The first days are the hardest, Amana. Getting used to new things, new people. Give it time. I don't want to give it time. I think we should leave. This place is bad. You remember when we went to Six Flags? Diego said, chuckling. You said the same thing about the Batman ride. They moved down the line. How long do we have to stay here? This again, Amana? Can't you just give me a date? I don't know, one paycheck, maybe two? A whole month? Amana reached out for a pancake, and her father spotted the remnants of the rash on her wrist. What's that? Amana pulled her sleeve down. Nothing. Let me see. It's nothing, Papa. Some of the flowers make me itches all. Well, if it's nothing, why can't I see it? Because it's nothing, that's why. Amana, just leave it alone, Papa. I'm fine. Amana chucked the pair of tongs she was holding back into the bin and walked back to the table. Diego watched her go, allowing himself a weary sigh. She's upset, Cece said. Oh, you know, Diego replied. I'm her dad.
It always amazed Cece how in Virginia, the heat of the day carried over into the night. She preferred the desert so much more. It was less capricious, easier to read. If she stood in the sun, she got hot. If she stood in the shade, she cooled down. But in Virginia, shade accounted for very little. And even when the sun finally set, the humidity made sure its effects stuck around. When she was little, and the heat and humidity made it impossible to sleep, her father let her and her brother bunk down on the screened-in back deck. The screens helped with the bugs, but trying to sleep outside wasn't much better than trying to sleep inside. Sometimes a warm breeze cooled the sweat on their skin, but more often than not, they found that the only difference between sleeping on the back deck and sleeping in their rooms was that instead of sweating through their sheets on their beds, they sweat through their sheets on their cots. Yurtville didn't have any decks, screened in or not, and the bugs, so pervasive and irritating during the day, seemed to increase at night. Nighttime bugs were a joke Mother Nature liked to play on anybody who sought relief from the heat by sleeping outdoors. You think gnats suck? Get a load of my chiggers! To keep the insects at bay, the farmhands either had to slather themselves in bug spray or keep a low burning fire, or both. That night was no different. The temperature was somewhere in the low 80s, the humidity up around 60%, and the bugs were out in full force. Little fires were burning all over Yurtville. Fire so smoky that it reminded Cece of the summer she spent in L.A. She hung out with Ben for a while at his ring, but then, seeing Diego and Amana exit their yurt, she punched him on the arm as a farewell and walked over to talk. Diego teepeed three branches over a litter of kindling. You'll have your own room there, I promise, Amana. The schools are good. They have a football team. I never thought I'd say it, Amana said, but I miss school. You get that from your mom. She was a smart one. I miss mom. I miss her too, every day. Diego looked up as Cece approached. Look who it is. Hi there. Amana focused on lighting the fire. Hey, you two, Cece said. Sorry if I'm interrupting. No, no, Diego said. He half stood to offer his box. Sit? Oh, no, please. Thank you. I I'll just sit on the ground. Cece lowered herself next to Amana and crossed her legs. Hey, Amana, I just wanted to apologize to your dad for brushing him off earlier. I had something on my mind. Diego looked at his daughter and she translated. She says she wants to apologize for being such a flaming asshole to you before. Language, Amana! Amana shrugged. It's true. Tell her it's fine. I've gotten far worse treatment from far worse people. To Cece, Amana said, he says you're not the first jerk he's had to deal with. Cece nodded. I suppose I deserve that. But, look, I know you guys gotta do what you gotta do. You wouldn't be here if you didn't need to be. But... Just keep your eye on the exit plan, okay? The people who run this place? I don't trust them. Amana's face went through several emotions. Surprise, mainly, followed by confusion, ending with something akin to respect. What did she say? Diego asked. She said we need to be careful, that she doesn't trust the people in charge. Diego studied on that, poked the fire. And we can trust her? Amana scoffed, unsure if her father wanted her to translate, but then Cece spoke up imperfect Spanish. You can trust me, she said. I promise you that. Diego and Amana shared a stunned look. Then they both broke out into laughter. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mad Tales. Don't forget that Mungwort is out in ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. Listen to these awesome reviews of Mungwort. Joe Edwards says, 
Wow, this book kept my attention. You can really get into the characters. Noel really brings them and the scenery to life like you're really there and going through what these characters are going through and feeling. I love the way he writes. I almost felt like I was watching a movie, which would be a really good one. I love the ending. Well done, James Noel. Well done. Kevin R. Johnson states, Great believable characters, evil goons, badass female heroes, unexpected twists, gory sci-fi, awesome ending, loved it. My all-time favorite of Noel's books. Another Amazon reviewer states, Holy mackerel, this is the first book I've read by James Noel and it has me lost for words. Terrifying, exciting, twisted, and totally unique. It has very well-developed characters and is set in some sort of labor camp that's being attacked by the surrounding forest itself. And finally, Marie Isabel states, As a hiker, the plant-based creepies gave me the willies. That's all for now. Thank you for tuning into Mad Tales, and I will see you next week. survived another episode of Mad Tales.